The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. We kind of started it off last week. Now we're going to dive in a little bit further, and I'm excited to see what what we're going to find. Um, Actually, I know what we're going to find. I'm excited for you to see... uh, what we're going to find. You know, we, we come to this text today in, in Acts chapter 8, and, and uh, depending on, on maybe how you grew up or your, your kind of uh, training or information or, or Bible teaching on this topic, this may have been one of the proof texts for uh, a particular perspective on a topic that has been debated a little bit in the church. And so before we get into it, and we'll, we'll look in more detail, before we get into it, let me just encourage you, anytime you go to the scripture, whenever you look for proof texts, you rarely discover the fullness of the truth that is available to you. But when, you, when you're willing to look for truth, even if it means it challenges some of your preconceived assumptions, that, that enables you for the opportunity to grow. Okay. So one of the beautiful things about Crossroads, this used to intimidate me a little bit once upon a time. Now I'm starting to learn to embrace it. I think it's a lot of fun. One of the beautiful things about Crossroads is that we have people from a variety of church backgrounds, a variety of church traditions, a variety of different worship styles, a variety of different perspectives on a number of different doctrines. And I think that's fun, honestly. I think that's fun, and I think it's rich. And so today, um, we're going we're gonna to look at, at a passage of Scripture where we, we see the working of the Holy Spirit really take center stage in this text. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna not only look at this text, but we're going to look at some examples that we see in Scripture and look at some different ways that the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. So regardless of what your thoughts are, even when I say the word Holy Spirit, what comes to mind, regardless of what it is, our goal is not to defend our position in any particular doctrine. Our goal, as always, is truth and understanding, Right? which leads to life. So I'm excited about this text. I think it's going to be fun. Are you guys ready for it? All right. Hey, so it's kind of a longer text. So I'm going to summarize and paraphrase a little bit as we work our way through. And I I will say this. I hope you're a note taker. If you're a note taker, get ready because uh, we had this this marriage retreat this weekend, which was amazing. How many guys were at the marriage retreat? Okay. We had some good, man, it was so fun. So fun. But because I was working a little bit more on, on the marriage retreat and a little bit less on providing notes for our screen, uh, you're going to have to do this one all by hand. Sorry. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of scripture, so I encourage some note taking so you can go back and, and look at some of this stuff later. Acts chapter 8, let's just, let's just back up a little bit and, and hit verse 4, just to kind of, or verse 4, and we kind of get uh, backed up or get caught up here a little bit. Uh, verses 1 through 4, this is what it's all about. It's about Stephen was stoned, right? Remember that? He was stoned for believing that Jesus was the Messiah. All of a sudden, persecution broke out in the church, and the church was scattered everywhere outside of Jerusalem. Verse 5 says this, And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Man, that's powerful. 
Verse 6 through 8, we see what happens there. So then it kind of focuses in on one of those guys, Philip. Uh, Philip shows up in a Samaritan town. And uh, there was kind of some Jewish Samaritan tension there. But, but he shows up in this town and he starts performing all of these miracles. And like tons of people get saved. Tons of people believe in uh, believe in Jesus, and they, they follow uh, Philip, and it's, it's awesome. And then we get to verses 9 through 11. So it, it tells us what happens, and then it kind of backs up for a little bit and like, like catches up what was going on in the Samaritan town at this time. And this is what was going on prior to Philip getting there. It, it talks about this guy named Simon. He was a sorcerer. He was known as, like his nickname, he was known as the great power of God. He was this this really prominent figure in the city. And it says that he had the attention of people who were high and low. Like he was an influencer. And and, and this is what it says. It says everyone followed him, right? Like regardless of what their like status was, like they were following him because, this is what it says, he had amazed them with his sorcery, Okay. This guy was working in supernatural demonic power. Verse 12 through 13. So now, however, like even though that was going on, now we see like all these people are getting saved. And it says, even Simon, the sorcerer, believed and was baptized. He is now a follower of Jesus, gave up his practices and is now following Jesus. And why? Because Philip shows up and he preaches the message of Jesus and the kingdom of God. People are baptized they're following Jesus. Simon the sorcerer gets saved. This is pretty awesome, right? This is pretty awesome. Verse 4, they, the city was filled with joy. Verse 14 through 17, Peter and, and John, they learned that the Samaritan town had received Jesus. And they're like, Samaritans? We got to go check this out, okay? So Peter and John show up. They show up to check out what's going on. And they find out these new believers had not received the Holy Spirit. So I want to read this this portion of the text to us today. Verses 14 through 17. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. Okay, these are genuine followers of Jesus. They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because it says the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these were genuine believers, right? They were referred to as new believers, baptized in the name of Jesus. It says, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Let's just keep going. Verses 18 and 19. So Simon, formerly a sorcerer, Simon saw that the Spirit was given on the laying, at the laying on the apostles' hands. He offered them money and he said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I place my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. All right, this is an interesting story. Um, honestly, we don't really know exactly what happened, like externally, when Peter and John laid their hands on them, other than the fact that they re- received the Holy Spirit. But what did that look like? I don't know. But I, I do know this, that, that a powerful sorcerer who was well-versed in the dark magic and demonic activity, he saw something that caught his attention to the degree that he offered, again, he was all messed up here, but he offered to purchase the power to be able to do what Peter and John were doing. Okay. 
So this wasn't just a quiet little prayer over in a corner and then you go home. Like something happened. We don't know what that something is. But something happened that caught the attention of a former sorcerer that said, I want to be able to do that. How much is it going to cost me? Now, clearly, he was, he's a new convert. He's a new follower of Jesus, uh, kind of slipping into some of his old ways of thinking, right? Uh, and let's just, let's just put it this way. That didn't go over well with Peter and John, <laughs> okay? This is how they responded. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Yeet. He goes on, you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right with God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Verse 25, Peter and John do a little more ministry. They go home. Okay, so let's, let's recap the story here real quick, okay? We'll just recap it. Philip goes into a new city, teaches about people, teaches about Jesus. People get saved. They apparently, as it says, hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Peter and John show up. They lay their hands on the new believers. They receive the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit filled these believers, something happened so significant that it caught the attention of a former sorcerer. Peter tells them that you can't be a part of this ministry because his heart is not right with God. Now, it's an interesting story, but it, it's not really a, a, a one-off kind of story. It, 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 there, there are other times in Acts that we're going to see similar things take place. And so I'm just going to, we're going to, I'm not going to preach Acts 10 and Acts 19 in advance, but I, I just want to reference this for a little bit. See, in a couple chapters, we're going to read a story about Peter going to Cornelius' house, who is a Roman centurion. They're all unbelievers. And he invites Peter into his house. He begins to preach about Jesus and who Jesus is. And this time, ha- something similar happened, but in a slightly different fashion. There was no laying on of hands. There wasn't no that. It, he was just preaching. And as he was preaching, it says this, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. It goes on to say that they spoke in tongues and they praised God. And uh, w- when others were describing, when they were describing what had happened, it said the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. In other words, it references back to it was, He's like, the Holy Spirit came and it was kind of like, it was kind of like Acts 2. Like it reminded us of Acts 2. It happened kind of that, that same way. Now that was Peter again. Now, now this time, it's not just Peter, but now it's Paul. So this isn't just the perspective of one man. Acts chapter 19, Paul, he goes to these other Gentiles in Ephesus and he goes and he finds these other disciples, what they call disciples and these other followers. Um, and, and it says this, he asks this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, like, so you believed, you're followers of Jesus, you're saved, you're Christian, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? And then it said, they said, no, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. It says, when Paul laid his hand on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So now, so now we have these, these, these different scenarios, right? In Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Jews in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter eight, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Samaritans. In Acts chapter 10, the, Gen- the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Gentiles. All of those are with Peter. Acts chapter 19, now Paul sees the Holy Spirit poured out on Gentiles um, in a similar fashion. If, now here's, here, here's what I want, where I want to challenge us to grow. Let's, let's look at, at this. Let's take a deeper look here. 
If we're looking for proof texts, we're done. Look, I can draw my, my really hard lines around this. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you until you receive the second working of the Holy Spirit's infillment, right? That's what this says. If that's what you're looking for proof text, that's what it says. If we're looking for truth, if we're looking for understanding, we've got a little bit more work to do, okay? Um, if we're just staying in these texts, it seems very, very obvious. There's an experience, in addition to salvation, that we receive the Holy Spirit. But I don't want proof text. I want understanding. I want truth. Okay? So let's, let's look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, that seems straightforward enough. All right, this is Paul writing a letter to Christians in Rome. You're not in the, you, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then he says this, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to God. Okay, in this one verse, there's three, the word Spirit is used three times. One is just Spirit, one the Spirit of God, one the Spirit of Christ. Let me just tell you what he's saying. All three of those are the reference to one and the same thing, the Holy Spirit, Right? They're all reference to the Holy Spirit. It says, if you are in the flesh, you're not walking, or, or, or no, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Holy Spirit. If in fact the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the Holy Spirit in them does not belong to God. In other words, this, you can't be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit in you. Right? Isn't that what it says? Like that's what it says. That's hard. So in one sense, if these Samaritan believers were true believers, as it appears they were, and as Peter and Paul addressed them as, then according to Paul in Romans, they already had the Holy Spirit. But according to, according to Paul in Acts 19 and Peter, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Okay, so like I said, we have more work to do. So, but Paul says other things like this too. That, that, that's not just a, a, a one verse thing either. How about this one? Ephesians chapter one says this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It's still kind of the introductory uh, statements of, of Paul, and he says this. He says, when you believed, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So basically what that part means is like, essentially God saved us that we would be in full and complete oneness in his presence for all of eternity. But while we're still here on this earth, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us is the deposit. It's kind of like the down payment on what we will receive someday as in, in eternity with God. Kind of a cool picture, isn't it? But this is what it says. When you believed, when you believed, you received this seal, this promised Holy Spirit. So now Paul is telling the church in Ephesus that the, as, as you believe, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Now let's add another twist because that's what we wanted right now is more twists, okay? Ephesians chapter five, same letter to the same Christians who had apparently already received the Holy Spirit at salvation. He says this, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Aren't they already filled with the Holy Spirit? He said they were. He says, but now be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
This time, it's not the same dramatic effect as we see necessarily in Acts. He says, here's the response of it, or, or, or what happened. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have this, this now it's not just this thing that happened. It's not just a, a salvation, and, and it's not just this, this, this extra experience. We have this instruction to be filled. It's an instruction that, that we have to engage in and, and walk in. And, and the expression of this seems a little bit different, less spiritual experience. This one resulted in, in worship, in gratitude, and encouragement. Hey, let's look at one more. There's way more than this, but we're just going to go one more here. Do you remember in Acts chapter 3 when we studied that? Peter and John, they go, they heal a lame man. He gets up, and, and for one or whatever reason, they end up in prison over it, and then they get out, and then the, the, the leading folks like threaten their lives and don't ever do this again and don't ever speak in the name of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 4, they get out, and it says this in verse 23, on the release, Peter and John went back to their own people, and then they started telling them about what just happened and the threats that they'd had. Um, and then what we see take place there then, it says after they prayed, right? So they, they told them all about it. And they're like, let's pray. This side note, I think it's so cool. They didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray to not get hurt. They prayed for boldness to be a witness for Jesus as he told them to. That's a side note, but it's kind of cool. So they get out, they start praying, and in Acts 4.31 it says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So, notice that it said, on their release, they went back to their own people. So this is J Peter and John's people. You know, this is their people, which means most likely this was the people that they experienced Acts 2 with, who were all already filled with the Holy Spirit. And now they go and they start talking about what God had just done. A prayer meeting breaks out and now supernatural things start taking place. The house is shaking and they receive this, this supernatural boldness, kind of like Jesus talked about in Acts 1.8, they received the supernatural boldness to go be a witness. But they'd already received the Holy Spirit, right? Ooh, let's add one more layer. I said, well, I said one more, but we're going to be, this, this is the last one, I think, I think. So we know of Acts chapter 2, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and supernatural things broke out, and it filled with power. But do we remember in John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. And this is the first time he's gathered together with his disciples. Now, they've always believed in Jesus. Things got shaky after his, resurrection, or after his death. They see the resurrected Jesus. And note this. This is the first time the apostles placed their faith in the completed work of the resurrection of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? John chapter 20, verse 22. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And doesn't that seem odd to you? Because his next instructions, we find this is after that in Acts chapter 1. He says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait, did they, did they receive the Holy Spirit when Jesus, wait. Did they, if Jesus said receive the Holy Spirit, do you think they didn't receive the Holy No, they did receive the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20 verse 22. I, I would say that was a picture of his followers, his earliest followers, receiving the Holy Spirit upon salvation. 
But then he says there's this other thing that's going to happen. Wait here until that happens. There's something that is going to happen. And when that happens, they already had the Holy Spirit. But when that happens, you will receive power in a way, in addition to whatever his power he's been given now, you'll receive power to be a witness. You will receive power for ministry. And then they receive that power. And then a couple chapters later, they're in a prayer meeting. They're filled with the Holy Spirit again. Okay, so let's, let's try to put some pieces together. This is why I'm saying, when you look for a proof text, you can pick any one chunk of verses that we've looked at today And if we just say, I'm going to define exactly how God works based on this particular viewpoint, we are going to miss out on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, one direction or another. We've got to be willing. See, people who search for truth are actually, see, people who are looking for proof texts are looking for verses of Scripture that make their argument stronger. People who are looking for truth and understanding look for texts that challenge their assumptions. Because it's only when we're able to look at this from multiple perspectives, and not just multiple perspectives, but from a holistic perspective, that we can begin to start to realize what it is that God's inviting us into. All right, so let's put some pieces together here. Here we go. Based on Paul's letter to the Romans... Again, there's, there's a lot of stuff here, so we've got to recap a lot, okay? Just, just bear with me. Based on Paul's letter to the Romans and the Ephesians, all true believers have the Holy Spirit living in them. Okay, we got that. And according to Ephesians 5, we're instructed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which implies that we have a role to play and we have a choice in this. And this is, is mostly filled out through lifestyle type of things. And then we see something similar in, in, in the additional filling of the Holy Spirit after we've received it in Acts chapter 4, except this time it wasn't a conscious choice. It was just a supernatural act of God beyond anybody's choice. Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 10, the Holy Spirit filled people during prayer or preaching, completely unsolicited, with supernatural signs. But in the stories in Acts 8 and 19, the true believers referred to as not having the Holy Spirit. But when they asked, they were filled, and it was accompanied with supernatural signs. And then this last little piece, in Acts chapter 8, Simon, the sorcerer, former sorcerer, denied authority or ministry or power to lay hands on people so they can receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's a lot to take in. Can we, can, we just, can we just do something together as a group? Can we just admit that that is a lot to make sense of? So can we give each other grace as we navigate God's intentions in his workings of the Holy Spirit? Can we give ourselves some grace? Can we give one another some grace? Do you ever have this thought? Do you ever, do you ever just wish that Jesus was here in the flesh. Like, why, Jesus, why, come on, Jesus, why couldn't I live 2,000 years ago, right? Like, why couldn't I, he just, like, walk through the door and, like, explain all of this to us? Don't you wish he was here in the flesh to just explain it all? Uh, well, actually, he was, <laughs> and he still didn't. 
right? You, you want to study this a little further, look at John, like I think it's John 14 through 17. Um, you know, he's, it's the, the last supper thing got going on, a lot of teaching, and he, and he, and he interweaves this, this he, he's trying to, he works the Holy Spirit's coming into a variety of different topics in the conversation throughout that. And he says it a number of different times. But here's what he says in John chapter 16, 7. I know there's a part of me that's like, I just wish Jesus was here. Like he could give a definitive answer. <laughs> but you remember how frustrated everybody was with Jesus when he never gave definitive answers? <laughs> but I do know this, that he sat down with his closest friends. He didn't, he didn't explain the nuances and he didn't explain the details, but he just said this, it's good that for you that I go because this way is going to be way better. So here's the question. Do you trust that? Do you trust him? Do you trust that the way that God has designed his church to interact with and function within the power and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is God's best for his church today and for you as an individual son or daughter of God? Right? We got to guard our hearts. And I, and I see this response and it's an easy one and I get it. We got to guard our hearts from this, this, this place that just goes like, man, that's just a lot. I don't, I, I don't get it all. And, and let me just walk away. I just want to be saved. I just want to be saved. I don't care about the rest of the stuff. Anybody ever felt that before? Like, just leave me alone with the whole spirit, Holy Spirit thing. Just give me Jesus. Just, I just want Jesus. Be careful. Weird sects of the church have, have broken off because of that very thought. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Where, you, where I have you right now, this is the best case scenario. This is better than when I was here. So let's, let's, let's look at this a little bit more. So what were Peter and John referring to when they, when they said they had not received the Holy Spirit? Right? Or what was Paul referring to in, in, in Acts? Right? In our story, the actual story that we're, <laughs> we're actually covering today, Acts 8, they see these believers and they said they had not received uh, the Holy Spirit. We're, we're assuming, based on the language, that, that they weren't questioning their salvation, right? Right? They laid their hands on them. And when they went and they laid their hands on them, they were full of faith and expectation that something significant was going to happen, and then it did. Regardless of your background or perspective, it undeniably did. Something powerful happened. And not only did it just, whoops, look at that. They expected it to happen. What happened? I don't know. <laughs> you know, we can, we can speculate what happens. It, it seems common that when people are, are filled with the Holy Spirit like this, in this manner that we see in Acts, it seems common uh, that people speak in tongues. Not always. It's very common that people prophesy, declaring the truth of of. of God, but not always. Nearly always they worship and it results in giving glory to God. Here's the deal. I'm a firm believer that every word and phrase of the Bible, there, there's a purpose why it's in there. Right? I believe that. I also believe that every detail that is not there is not there on purpose too. You know, have you ever noticed how when Jesus healed people in the New Testament, in the Gospels, how he, every time he healed people, it seemed like he did it in a different way? I think that's very intentional. He wasn't trying to give us formulas. 
See, I believe that the, the reason that some of us struggle around this, this idea of, of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like and, and, and all that kind of stuff is because we're looking for formulas. Like Jesus is, like the Holy Spirit is an equation. And once we can figure it all out, then, then we're good to go, right? But the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity that God has given his church today. He's here to lead and he's here to comfort. He's here to empower. He's not tr- here like some kind of like experiment in a lab. He's not here to just try to figure out how to make him work. He's not a genie in a bottle who like wishes or grants our wishes once we can figure out how to get him out. He's a person to interact with. And in the same way, in the same way that Jesus healed people differently, I believe the Holy Spirit works in people's different, in lives differently. Every time we encounter him. Are there certain common things that happen? Sure. But just remember this, he's more interested in moving in power in your life than he is in you figuring out like how to do it right. So here's what I see. If, again, if we're trying to just make some sense of this in a way that we can like fit in our head. Here's what I see. I'm not trying to push any kind of doctrine. I don't have a statement that I have to uphold. Like just when I, when I look at the scripture, here's what I see. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit at salvation. That's hard to deny, right? Like, like it, just, it just kind of says it pretty directly. We receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. Here's the second thing I see. We're instructed to be filled with the Holy Spirit as an ongoing lifestyle, right? And, and we read Ephesians 5, but Paul speaks extensively about this topic, right? This, this one's really nearly impossible to deny. Like, Walking in the Spirit is a giant topic of Paul's letters. We're instructed to be filled with the Holy Spirit as an ongoing lifestyle. But as I look at Acts 2, people who, who receive the Holy Spirit but receive this other thing, Acts 8, same thing, Acts 10, Acts 19, I can't help but come to the conclusion, like it, just, it seems like it's just right there, that, that God has a special work of the Holy Spirit for us that we receive in addition to salvation. And what I see from the very words of Jesus is is the purpose is for empowerment. I'm gonna say that again. God has a special work of the Holy Spirit for us that we receive in addition to salvation. It's what happened in each of these instances in the book of Acts. And then here's the fourth, the fourth aspect of it, is that sometimes God pours out his spirit just because he wants to, right? Look at Acts chapter four. It's often as a response to prayer that sometimes God just pours out his spirit, or, or, or honestly, Acts 10 was kind of the same way. These unbelievers, they, Peter gets up and preaches, and people just, Holy Spirit fell. People were speaking in tongues and worshiping God and all kinds of crazy stuff was taking place. So what's, what's our application with this? We, we see these different ways that the Holy Spirit works in our life through salvation, through lifestyle, through an additional work of God, empowerment, and then just because, <laughs> right? Salvation, lifestyle, empowerment, and just because. What do we do with this? Here, here's, let me just call it like it is. Like I said, we have a variety of backgrounds. 
represented in here. Love it. But here are two general, this is oversimplification, I fully wear that. But there are two general camps. I don't know which camp you grew up in or which camp you, you know, maybe you weren't in any camp, but you just kind of camped slightly outside of camp. I don't know. But two general, general thoughts on this that I think are both a little bit, well, we'll just, we'll just go for it. One is we got the spirit baptism people, right? Those are the people that go, Acts 8, boom. What else are you going to say about it? Okay. Like, and, and some, if you go really far, some would say, man, you don't even have the Holy Spirit until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, until you have this second experience. But on a general camp, if we're going to make them big, broad camps, right? It's, just, it's this belief, it's this idea that in addition to salvation, God has a special grace for every believer, which is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for ministry. And then there's another camp that says, like, look at, look at Ephesians and look at some of the stuff in Romans, look at what Paul says, that, that I am filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation, meaning why would I need an additional work of the Holy Spirit? Like if I have the Holy Spirit, don't I have the Holy Spirit? If I have the Holy Spirit, why do I need more of the Holy Spirit? So let me first talk to the spirit baptism people, okay? I wanna, I wanna share on both these camps, I wanna share a strength and I wanna share a caution. The strength I think is, is, is right there in alignment with Acts chapter eight, like we're talking about today. You're ready to receive a special gift of Holy Spirit empowerment. That's good. Some of you can point to a time, man, I remember when, when, when the Holy Spirit first touched me in, in, in ways, and maybe it was similar to things that we saw in Acts. Maybe it was a little different than what you saw in Acts. But man, my life was touched by the power of God, and I received the Holy Spirit in a way that maybe I can't even put into words, but, I, but man, it is there. Maybe some of you are maybe in that camp, but you're like, I, I don't know that I've ever received an experience like that, and, and I'm not really sure, but like, man, I'm in that camp. Like, I'm ready for it. I'm open to it. So here, can I, here's the caution for camp one. And this is, I'll be honest, this is the camp I grew up in. God is not a formula, so be ready for whatever he has. The Holy Spirit is a person who wants to lead you into new things. So, like, and I understand the sentiment, so I'm not, like, totally dogging it, but I just, like, when we say, God, I want you to move like you did back then. I don't think God wants to move like he did back then. I think he wants to move like he wants to move today. Maybe that's with supernatural signs. Maybe it's with natural signs. But we, let's not be afraid of the supernatural. Don't, don't let that be a cop-out. God's still a God of healing. He's a God of the gifts. He's a God of the supernatural. So stay open to what he wants to do today. Don't try to recreate. A, 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 and man, we're so bad at this as Christians. Man, when this one song played, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And now that song is like on the top hits of your worship experience. And the Holy Spirit can't move until that song plays. Be careful. God doesn't want to redo what he did yesterday. God has new things for you today. Here's another caution from the spirit baptism camp. Don't rely on one past filling of the Holy Spirit. He's not done with you yet. 
Just because he did doesn't mean he's done. Just because you experienced something supernatural doesn't mean you're like, hey, look back then. Remember that time 30 years ago when I was filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is perfect, but this container leaks. (laughs) I need to be filled again today. Filled with power. Filled with holiness. All right, so let me, let me talk to my filled at salvation peeps, okay? Here's the strength. Because you're not overly dependent on one past experience, you tend to be more open to how the Holy Spirit wants to use you in the day-to-day. That's awesome. Would you continue to look for God to guide you and lead you as you are filled and full of the Holy Spirit in the here and now in the daily activities of life? Here's my caution. I told you I grew up in the, in the, in the first camp. So I get this. <laughs> Just because people have gotten weird in the name of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't have a genuine empowerment for you today. I have seen weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. I'm not into weird things, but I'm open to whatever God has. Don't shut off. I honestly, I'm in that camp, but I, I, I know my own weakness. I, I, I shut off real quick. As soon as I even begin to sense or feel something weird, that fe- and by weird, I mean human, manipulated, contrived. I'm sensitive to that. I've seen some things. And I'm like, that's not God. Don't call that God. But I've also, guys, I've also seen God work in ways that are absolutely unbelievable. I've seen a genuine move of God that has transformed people's lives and communities. And he still wants to do that today. So if you're in that second part and you're just like, that Acts 8 thing is hard for you, let me just tell you, don't shut down because of somebody else has done something dumb. And sometimes it's deliberate and manipulative. Sometimes it's like people truly desiring the presence of God and just allowed a little bit of themselves to sneak in there. But either way, don't shut down. In other words, this way, keep an open mind regarding how God may want to fill you with power. Because let me just tell you this, if, if, if that's where you are today, okay, if that's where you are today, I'm not trying necessarily even to get you to like to, to move from one extreme to the other, I, but would you, I think we could all kind of like take a step towards the middle and be like, I just, I want all of it. I want the empowerment for ministry. I want the day-to-day Holy Spirit comforter with me. Would you keep an open mind regarding how God may want to fill you with power today? So here for all of us, regardless of what your preconceived assumptions were on this subject matter. To me, I'll be honest, to me, I see Acts chapter 8 and be like, I don't know how to see it any other way than God wants to do something new. The, the apostles, Peter and John, they weren't, they, weren't, they weren't undermining the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. They were just speaking about something different empowerment. But whatever, however you came in today, let's pursue the Holy Spirit and whatever he has for us next. Are we in agreement on that? 
Man, but he's got something for you. And he's patient. He's gracious. But let's not forget the purpose of the power. Jesus said it best. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness. You know what I believe? One of the the, the leading reasons why we miss this and why spirit empowerment and even the second, like this filling of the Holy Spirit, some call it baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a variety of language in here in the Bible about the exact experience. (laughs) Again, probably intentionally. But I believe one of the reasons that we get off base, one of the reasons that we get weird, is because we begin we begin to pursue the filling of the Holy Spirit for selfish gain. And that sounds really evil, but let me just make it sound like for anything other than empowerment to share Jesus with the world is selfish gain. Like Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit so we could have really dynamic church services. He, he, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower his church so that we could live dynamic lives among people who don't believe. If you're pursuing the Holy Spirit because you want some kind of wow factor, we never see that. No, we do see it one time. We see it one time. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of the God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. That's the one time we see the Holy Spirit pursued for the wow factor. Friends, it's my heart. As your pastor, it's my heart that we just say, Holy Spirit, I just... I want to be a light into this dark world. But I feel really insecure and inequipped and unprepared. I can't do it on my own, but Father, your power is made perfect in my weakness. So I need your Holy Spirit. See, when we begin to pursue the Holy Spirit with a heart that is set on what Jesus said the Holy Spirit was given for. I mean, he also has other reasons to comfort and, and to get guide us in truth. But Jesus said, you're going to receive power. This power, this empowerment is so that the world would know that Jesus is who he claims to be. Father God, we praise you and we thank you for the richness of the way that you engage our lives on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Father God, I, I, I am fully aware that many of us approach just the, the, the topic of your Holy Spirit with, with a lot of assumptions. But God, what we see in the Word is you have an empowerment for ministry that's available to us. God, we just want all that you have. 
you have guidance into a lifestyle of holiness. You lead us into worship and praise and encouragement and gratitude. You give us counsel and wisdom and you remind us of Jesus. God, forgive us that wherever we stand, God, forgive us for putting you in a box. For pigeonholing your power to look like my favorite text. Father, we, we want all of who you are whatever it looks like. You are a God who always has, always will, and still today works in power. Father, you do what only you, want to, what only you can do. You do what only you can do. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.